Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. So in the first half of the message this morning, I'm going to be talking about human sexuality. And if you have small children and you'd rather save this conversation for later, I won't have my feelings hurt if you wanted to step out for a moment. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now that I got all your attention, (laughs) I served my first decade in the military under the policy, don't ask, don't tell. Uh, This was the law implemented under Bill Clinton's presidency. During his campaign, Clinton had promised to reverse the ban on gays and lesbians in the military, but when he got into office, he found that it wasn't going to be that simple. There were practical problems that uh, still needed to be addressed. And so Clinton compromised with Don't Ask, Don't Tell in uh, 1993. That simply meant that military officials couldn't ask military members about their sexual preferences or orientations, and that any military member feeling attracted to a member of the same sex had to keep this in the closet, so to speak. Gay and lesbian rights activists felt betrayed by President Clinton because of this. They felt like he broke his promise, and so for the next 17 years, they lobbied to have the law overturned. And in 2010, eight years ago, it was overturned. And since then, uh, people identifying as gay, lesbian, and bisexual have been allowed to openly serve in the military. I look back on this chapter of American history, and I wonder, have Christians accepted a form of don't ask, don't tell Christianity. Have we become closeted in our love for Jesus, in his love for others, for all, now that culture has shifted? Have we been content with... uh, a don't ask, don't tell version of our faith. In 1999, a soldier named Barry Winchell, stationed in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, while he was sleeping in his bed in the barracks, was beaten to death with a baseball bat by a fellow soldier. Prosecutors argued that the murderer did this because Barry was a practicing homosexual. And others argued that it was bigger than that. There was a climate of homophobia, not only in the unit, but in the military as well. And 
this became a rallying point, a sign that don't ask, don't tell had to go. Ever since the Revolutionary War, if uh, a soldier or sailor or airman or marine, well, airman later, but marine, ever since the Revolutionary War, if, if uh, a military member was caught in a, in the, in a sexual act with uh, another military member of the same sex, they would be forced out of the military. Since the Revolutionary War, in, leading up into World War II, there were actually there were questions that potential uh, enlistees had to answer about uh, trying to determine their straightness. And if you didn't answer them right, you wouldn't be allowed to serve. Now, on, at other times, especially like later in World War II when they needed more people to serve, these questions were set aside and, and anybody could come in. In the 1980s, when uh, gay and lesbian rights activists were trying to overthrow this uh, law, military officials, maybe to send a message, applied the law more stringently. And in the decade of the 80s, 17,000 men and women were forced out of the military, military under the charge of homosexuality. Governor Bill Clinton from Arkansas promised that he would overturn this and, and um, remove this discrimination when he became president. But when he got there, he, he saw that there were practical problems and skillful politician that he was, whatever you think about him, skillful politician that he was, he compromised. And what we got instead of an overthrow was Department of Defense Directive 1304.26 in 1993, more commonly known as Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Now, the practical reasons that military members and military leaders raised up as to why it couldn't be reversed, I'll give you a quote from uh, President, uh, General Colin Powell. Colin Powell, he was the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the time. He made a speech in 1993 to the United States Naval Academy. He said that the presence of homosexuals in the force would be detrimental to good order and discipline for a variety of reasons centering on the issue of privacy. A spokesman for the Navy said it much more directly. Gays in the military would mean that guys showering with other guys would have to suffer the uncomfortable feeling of someone watching. Those were the reasons given. Now, other people argued that the military had been exercising a, a one-sided sexual code of conduct. So they had uh, strict ethics against homosexual conduct, but they had been for years turning a blind eye to promiscuous heterosexual conduct. So it was accepted and, and celebrated that soldiers, sailors, and marines, they'd have to blow off some sexual steam at the, the bar, the strip club, the brothel. And, and this was perfectly okay as long as it was with someone of the opposite sex. And, and people raised this as to see the, the double standard there. A professor from Duke University named Stanley Hauerwas argued that American discrimination against gay and lesbian people 
stemmed from a deeper confusion about sex. See, a lot of people at the time, and perhaps still, believe that Americans largely hold biblical values. But the Bible's view of sex is much more robust, much richer than simply saying homosexuality is wrong. The Bible's vision of sex is that it is this awesome, mysterious, powerful gift from God that bonds a man and a woman together for life, and that this bond, when and where it pleases God, manifests itself in the fathering and mothering of children. That's the biblical vision of sex. But Americans had long accepted a different view and vision for sex, that the idea of casual sex, sex for entertainment, that could be had between uh, any consenting adults and teenagers too, as long as they practice safe sex. Professor Hauerwas argued that there was a much deeper confusion about sex. Uh, why we should have it, with whom we should have it, and how it related to our reasons for having children. And he suggested that the, the ban on gays in the military was a last-ditch effort of Americans to convince themselves that they still had some standards when it came to sex. But the reality was, if there is such a thing as casual sex, then there are no unchangeable standards. And anything goes, as long as everyone involved consents. So, so goes the argument. Don't ask, don't tell was bound to go. It, it was bound to go. I was serving in Iraq on active duty in 2010 when they had begun to reverse the, the law. And we took surveys and, and we had lots of conversations about this. And now as I look back eight years, eight years later, to be honest, I really haven't seen any detrimental effect to the military's effectiveness since uh, openly gay, lesbian, bisexual people have been able to serve. I, I haven't seen any negative effect. Uh, one thing I have seen, and again, my, my perspective is limited. I don't live in the barracks. I'm a reservist. I don't have to shower in an open bay with other guys, at least not very often. But one, thing I, one change I have noticed is that there are fewer derogatory comments about people who experience same-sex attraction. There, there's less meanness. But here's what I really want to talk about. Even if, if you're like me and you submit to the biblical teaching about sex, not because it's popular, not because we're mean, but just this is what the Bible teaches. If you submit to the biblical teaching about sex, that it is God's gift to bind together one man, one woman in marriage for life, even if you agree with that, I think that you and I can learn something from LGBT people as a group. Think about it. 
a law stood for over 200 years in our country. And a small minority group, a persecuted minority group, organized themselves, were motivated, had a clear vision for who they were and what they were about, and they persuaded a nation to change its mind. They were not going to be intimidated. They were not going to be ashamed. They were not going to be silent, even in the face of mockery and exclusion and ridicule and, in some cases, violent persecution. And so I think we as a group, Christians as a group, have something to learn from this group in as much as they are a community with a shared identity. Now to help you think through that, I want you to imagine what it would be like if the roles were reversed and Christians as a group were seen as a threat to the military's readiness and national defense. Just imagine that if Christians were, as a group, were barred from military service, sort of like they were in the days of the Roman Empire. What if Christians were barred from military service? I could hear somebody making the argument, you know, normal soldiers are going to be uncomfortable when a group of people gather in the back of the barracks and are holding hands and bowing their heads and talking to someone that no one can see and singing and doing God knows what other disgusting things back there? Have you you heard about these Christians? They they get together on Sunday and they, they eat bread and wine and they say that they're eating the flesh of God and they're drinking the blood of God. What what's up with that? Is this cannibalism? And You know that they pray for their enemies. You know that they're taught to love their enemies. Will we be able to count on them to kill our enemies without question? And they say that they're loyal to this king. A king. Will they be able to obey the orders of their commanders? And even if all that aside, even if they can be reliable soldiers... Look, having them around is going to be no fun. It's going to be bad for morale. And, and these, these people say that, that going to the strip bar and, and looking at porn is a sin. And all this talk about sin and repentance and holiness, it's going to be bad for morale. And I tell, tell you what, the worst part of all this is taking showers with these people you know that they are notorious for trying to convert people to faith in Jesus? Would you want to take a shower with someone like that? You never know when they might sneak up and try to baptize you. What if? That's probably not likely Uh, But it's happened in Christian history. Uh, Christians as a group were marginalized, ridiculed, mocked, humiliated, and persecuted. And my fear, my greatest fear, is that we as a Christian culture in the last 300 years have cultivated 
an acceptance of a don't ask about Jesus, don't tell about Jesus form of Christianity. That we've become closeted about our faith, about our openness of our love for Jesus. I'm a pastor and I feel awkward talking about Jesus outside of a 60 to 75 minute formal service. If, if you don't have the lines fed to you from the bulletin, does it feel a little weird to talk about loving Jesus? Out there in your workplace or in your school, you, you could go to a Christian school. You could go to a Lutheran school. You could go to a Lutheran church and if you started talking about Jesus and his love for you and his love for all people and you started telling people about this, you would be weird. You would be seen as weird. I have eight years of postgraduate theological education and it feels awkward to me. I can't imagine how difficult it must be for you to talk about Jesus the love of your life outside of, of a formal church service. Now, this isn't a new problem. I don't know if it's comforting or not, but followers of Jesus have been struggling with this since the beginning. You heard in John chapter 6, when Jesus starts saying offensive things, things that could get you mocked and ridiculed, like eating his flesh and drinking his blood, you just heard them. They just, they just turned and, and stopped walking with him. And Peter had it right. He said, Lord, we don't have anywhere else to go. Where, who do we go to? We know, we trust that you are the, the Holy One of God. You have the words of eternal life. But even Peter, when it, when, it, when it came to the test, when he was facing ridicule and real physical persecution, violent persecution, he closeted his faith. He denied that he even know Jesus. And only Jesus was faithful to the end. And he would not submit to a don't ask, don't tell form of the faith. He openly identified that he is the one true son of God, the judge of the world, the savior of the world, even when it made people angry, even when it led to his brutal death, and he did it for you, and he did it for me, and he did it for all of them. Because he is the way and the truth and the life and no one was going to shut him up about this. And his death and his resurrection is our sign that don't ask, don't tell, Christianity has to go. It has to go. I went into the military when I was 18 years old. And I, at the time, was practicing a, a don't ask, don't tell uh, in my relationship with Jesus. I was ashamed. I, I, had, I had dog tags. I got, I got my military dog tags and it, it lists my religion on them. Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. But I just kept quiet about this because it's, this is what you do with the religion, right? You don't, you don't ask about it. You don't tell about it. And then I got to know some other Christians in the military, some people in my unit, and there was something different about them. And I hope you have Christians in your life who are a little weird like this. Not, not like the, the good, normal Christians, but, but weird Christians who talk about Jesus all the time. I hope you have some of those people in your life who aren't just pastors. And these, these people, they wanted to get together and pray together and, and, and sing songs together, not during church, but like in the, in the barracks, in the dorms. 
And I started going and started praying with them. And I saw that they treated Jesus like daily bread, not like, not like cake for special occasions. And I saw that there was a change working in their lives and they weren't ashamed and they weren't closeted about it. And I started to experience that too. And people started noticing and they, they joked and they, they talked about me. I remember that one guy, we were having some discussion and, and he said, well, what about Ziegler? He's, he's pretty religious. Ziegler, what do you think? And I said, I'm not religious. I just love Jesus. And he looked at me like I was some freak that had just jumped out of the closet at him. And I don't care because this is who I am. This is who we are. You don't have to hide. In the name of Jesus, amen.